Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, Eric Kareen. Eric, uh, pressing question off the top here so I don't spoil anything. Are you caught up on the Royal Rumble? Like, on this day, I see clearly. On this day. Everything has come to life. A bitter place and a broken dream. And we'll leave it all behind. Man. Cambridge 519, the region legend, Adam Edge Copeland. Let's go. Uh, good for him. Who do you think he'll face? I have no idea. Okay. Um, I, I, my assumption right away was McIntyre, and then I saw a lot of people online saying it's obviously Roman, and I don't really get why that's obvious, but... I don't think it's obvious. I'm more interested uh, in that as, like, just for the storyline purposes of, like, Roman's, like, being the man and, uh, and like, saying he has this sort of right to be the head of the wwe and edge comes back from the past and is like you you're not paying proper deference or, hmm. or something something like that i, I, I just I mean, hope they don't do the uh orton wins the title off mcintyre and then they go orton edge yeah, yeah i don't need to see them again for the title yeah. like i i mean in all those matches at least the ones i saw were good but i i don't need to see another chapter of that shout out to edge superfan and toronto maple leafs general manager kyle dubas <laughs> who is uh, was excited as any of us to see Edge go the distance on the Royal Rumble. Um, we're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. We are well aware what happens when we talk about the Royal Rumble in place <laughs> of uh, the Raptors' annual overlap game with the Royal Rumble. It's two things that are guaranteed on the schedule. is uh, The Raptors will play during the Royal Rumble, and the Raptors will have a regular season game. The 905 will have a playoff game, and WrestleMania will all take place simultaneously. Yeah, like the Raptors get Super Bowl Sunday off this year, but they can't get one of... I, I mean, I... We don't know if they'll be playing on WrestleMania Sunday yet. But, oh, they will uh, be. They surely will be, yes. Yeah, the the showcase of the Immortals has to have... Although I guess it's the, two nights, so... Yes. Oh, there you go. Hopefully one of them, hopefully the Sunday they're not playing. Could I but, interest uh, you in a back-to-back with the Orlando Magic? <laughs> uh, even... I know that's not possible because yeah, there's only possible. three games this year, but uh, what would be the next stupidest team that they haven't played? Uh, I mean, the the Hornets and Pacers are the two that they yeah. seem to play all the time. I guess they'll have two against the Heat already, too. I don't How know. How about the Cavs? Two, two against the Cavs? The Cavs are too fun this year for that to be something we, we groan about. Two uh, against the Knicks? Do they yeah, have two? No, the yeah. Knicks are fun, too. The, the no, I watched the Knicks yesterday. They're not that the, fun. You know what the answer is? The answer is the Pistons. <laughs> Pistons are the team yeah. that would uh that's the back to back you really don't want to see. Um Dwayne Casey or the, Ru- the Bulls? and Delon the Bulls also. Yeah, but then you at least get the can we poach Wendell Carter Jr. and in, in the trade machine kind of yeah. stuff. But, no, Detroit is the answer, but yeah. I think Chicago is second. Yes. The De- the revenge of Delon Wright. Um look yeah. forward to that whenever WrestleMania is, I have no idea. Um all right, we're gonna talk about the Toronto Raptors. Uh as a heads up. As usual, uh, you can head to theathletic.com slash we the six. That's the number six. If you're not already subscribed uh, to our work on the written side, you can get a deal there. Uh, just $3.99 a month right now. You can also just keep your eye out for flash sales here and there by clicking our articles. Uh, Eric, you wrote off the Sunday night game against the Orlando Magic uh, because at this stage, uh, they've played the Orlando Magic 
94 times in the last two years, and we feel the need to split up the Magic series uh, one and one They'll play the Magic again on Tuesday. Uh, to wrap the week in general, uh, they went one and two, so you were very, very wrong in your predictions again, and you should feel bad. Uh, they lost to the Pacers, and they lost to the Bucks. No, they, no, they, oh, but I think I did it after the Pacers. Oh, yeah, 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 they lost I, to the Right, that's the, the three-game losing streak. Pacers, Bucks, and Kings yeah. was the losing streak. And then they, of course, beat the Orlando Magic on Sunday. Um, Eric, let's talk about those losses. I, I think the Milwaukee Bucks one is pretty understandable. I thought they played fairly well, considering they were out their best. Uh, Giannis defender in OG Ananobi, who, who has a calf strain. Um, and, you know, th- that's Milwaukee's a really good team. And sometimes you take a good shot at a team like that and you lose. That happens. Uh, the fact that it was sandwiched around pretty bad games against the Pacers and the Kings is maybe a little more concerning. Uh, that three-game losing streak, killing a bit of the momentum uh, of the turnaround they had after the 2-8 and eight start. Uh, and that Kings game was just, if you look at what the Raptors have been the last seven or eight years and the things they do well and, and the mistakes they avoid, that's got to be up there in terms of the one of the more uncharacteristic games these Toronto Raptors have played. That, that was... Maybe not the most frustrating loss of the season, but it it was up there. Yeah, I mean, the defense was just not good. Uh, I had some, there was somebody in my mentions. What is wrong with our brains that we just remember the one negative person in our mentions? Anyway, we, we can save that question for uh, uh, the addition when we have our therapists on uh, of Raptors Reasonablest. But um I think he was pointing out that the Raptors have had this strategy where they allow three, where they live with three point shots uh, over the past few years. And now they are getting the negative or, or if you're the opponents, the positive regression to that. And my point is like, you could have every three point defense. You could have a strategy that allows three point shots uh, as you know, or uh, okay outcome, but not one that allows Buddy Heald to shoot open three-point shots. Like, that's never really been what this is about. And he, there was a stretch there where he had, like, two or three open threes in the, in the second or third quarter, I don't remember. It's just, you know, so uh, De'Aaron Fox is really fast. He's a hard guy <laughs> to keep in front of you. Uh, the way he just, like, blew by Fred Van Vliet and and Stadley Johnson at times, like, really impressive. But they just had nothing behind it. They were just not recovering in the way... I, I think that's it, basically. Like, the rotations and the recoveries that have so defined how the Raptors have, have played defense when their first line of defense gets beat uh, have been not good enough. And... The best thing to do about that is not get beat so cleanly, but that's definitely easier said than done against a guy like Fox. And uh, they're just not recovering. And I think that's their single biggest issue when playing a team with offensive firepower that is not the Orlando Magic, uh, because they have very little, um, is like getting those rotations moving so you're fine you're actually pressing the guy who shoots against the final two or three seconds of the shot clock not at like 10 seconds of the shot clock that's my sort of takeaway is that they're like just they're they're like two steps slow at least 
Yeah, and and I mean to me, it's it's a lot of the just there are mistakes baked in there, and like I think it's a bad sign when the talking point of the broadcast most of the game is how your opponent is playing a smarter game than you, and that opponent is the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> um, I think it's not a great sign when Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Nick Nurse are all talking about you know, miscommunications or head scratchers as Nick Nurse has become fond of calling them. Uh, it's not it's not great. And it stands out because, you know, those are it's almost like they're making the mistakes of uh, a team that's in the rebuild stage or, or the building stage. Um, and that is not where they are right now. And even some of the less experienced guys or, or the less familiar guys that they're giving playing time to are not like. I know Nick Nurse um, bristled at the question that that this is a an experienced team, and, and it's not, you know, other than Kyle Lowry and Aaron Baines, it's not a wildly experienced team. But they're not, they're also not a, a super young team, um, where you know Terrence Davis is the only, uh, I guess Utah, depending on uh, how uh, how you gauge G League time. Um, but those are really the only like young guys playing like inexperienced guys getting regular minutes and Watanabe certainly hasn't been the problem when it comes to um the IQ stuff and the kind of team defense stuff it's a lot of it's been a lot of guys who should not be doing that stuff at this point like Terrence Davis or um you know even Paul Watson who I'm really high on and has come in and banged threes every time he gets an opportunity um he's 5 of 7 in 30 minutes uh from three point range but he came in he had like three opportunities in a small rotation role and made a defensive lapse in all of them and then he only got to play like 4 seconds um Matt Thomas you know, we've all talked about getting him more of an opportunity, and it looks like the defense, which had solidified a little bit last year, has gone the other direction. Not to mention that he's having trouble getting a shot off because he's not that tall and teams are uh, geared up for him a little bit more. But but then you have, you know, Boucher's blocking a lot of shots, but he sometimes makes mistakes, and Norman Powell makes a lot of mistakes on defense. So it's... Uh, you know, it's certainly not the, they're not the mistakes of, of a team. They shouldn't be the mistakes of a team in the Raptors position, at least not at that volume. Uh, one more thought on the Sacramento game, uh, other than it's, it was funny to see, uh, you know, Corey Joseph uh, taking it to the Raptors. And we have a few fun games like that coming up with ex-Raptors. Uh, we joked about DeLon right off the top. Uh, Terrence Ross did not have one of those games on Sunday, yeah. but you, you have some, you know, the, the Grizzlies are coming up on the schedule and you know, they're kind of uh Raptor South and Jonas will be geeked up for that game. Um, anyway, uh, my other thought from the Sacramento game is that I love De'Aaron Fox's game. I'm not sure there's been a player lose as much, just like general coolness from a haircut as De'Aaron Fox did. <laughs> yeah. He just looks like a guy. Um, and as cool as his game is, uh, it would be, I, I don't know. I, like, next thing you know, he's going to get it like a headband and it'll make him even less cool. Uh, now, I, I will say, I mean, Shay went the uh, headband and more subdued hair look and it's working for him. So maybe, you know, I, I guess the issue is Fox went all the way down to the dome with it. Um, but. You know he'll he'll get there. Yeah, I, I learned I've learned a long time 
go to, well, actually, I'm not sure I've learned it because since then I've made several comments, but I try to not make that many comments about players' hair uh, for fear of what ha- might happen to my own. Uh, so, Are you worried you're going to have a little Matt Thomas going on? <laughs> no, I, I, I think back to the Brian Colangelo, Amir Johnson uh, uh, yes. haircut uh, the issue. days. Yes. Uh, so... Whatever, any, but whatever meets anybody's uh, criteria for where they should go, it's a pandemic. I'm not going to judge you too harshly unless you're getting really, really weird. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'll also say, if you're doing black market haircuts right now, uh, hit me up because I'm in need <laughs> big time. Uh, all right, Eric, we should talk about the the actual basketball. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was fun in that game. He's just so fast. If you're transition defense, like, you know, Raptors fans are, are well aware of how tuned in uh transition defense has to be for a playoff series against Giannis uh every time you play De'Aaron Fox it's like oh yeah your transition defense isn't where it needs to be at this point in the season uh because De'Aaron Fox will carve it up what's amazing is like sometimes they were back and it still didn't (laughs) matter matter. like like, uh, he's just gone in such a such an instant it's like I mean the closest thing I have as a comp is prime John Wall I think. Yeah. Um, there's now a bit Sacramento of can there, get the yeah. corner shooters around that where John Wall led the league in uh, corner three assists like every year. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be good. They got one pretty damn good shooter. Uh, Buddy. But yeah, he's he's scary when he gets going. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Barnes is shooting the ball really well, too, but that's uh, on lower volume. Um, I don't know that Halliburton's going to shoot the ball this well, but if he's a 42% three-point shooter, he goes from being a cool, very smart, like hyper-aware passing prospect to, oh my God, he's terrifying if he's going to hit 42% of his threes. Yeah. Uh, he a, also has a very good, a very cute new dog. Uh, I think I heard about this dog, uh, but I, I have just, not seen it, I don't think. He just posted on Instagram the other day. It's, uh, mm. it's great. So a lot of the mistakes that the Raptors had been making in that three-game losing streak and, and the reasons for us to uh, pull at our hair or, uh, you know, only on the sides so that just the Fohawk remains, uh, some of those things got cleaned up against the Orlando Magic. Funny how that happens. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> some of the reasons that that may have cleaned up against the Orlando Magic include that the Orlando Magic are 28th in offense, that the Orlando Magic were missing six players, um, that the Orlando Magic are just not all that good, even though they're only half a game behind the Raptors. Um, I thought they did a better job on Vucevic than I would have expected. Um, Obviously, they've done a good job on Vucevic in the past with Marc Gasol and and Serge Ibaka and even JV a little bit. Uh, He had 15, 14, and 4, but he shot 5 of 18 and had a handful of turnovers uh, I thought Aaron Baines did a, a nice job. He played 29 minutes and was a plus 18, which uh, as far as Aaron Baines go this season, things are trending back in, in the right direction. Baines also had 16 rebounds uh, oh, yeah. in that game. So um, I guess we can we can just touch on Baines here. Um, so much of this podcast up until last week when we kind of pivoted and did a mailbag focused on what the hell the Raptors are going to do at the center position. Uh, Baines got out to kind of a rough start he scored well in the first two games of the season but but the Raptors were pretty consistently losing his minutes uh he drew three DNPs then the Raptors uh you know gave him the old Luis Scola Rafael Arugio um nominal start a couple times 
Uh, and then I would say over the last maybe eight games, he's looked more himself. Uh, he's been back to double digits in all of those. He's played 20 plus in three straight games. And yes, a couple of those were losses. Um, but, you know, the big thing with Baines right now is like, can they get him functional uh, to where you don't worry about those starts to the first and third quarter and uh, maybe you even bring him back in for for some bench minutes uh, at some point. And I think he's he's trending in the right direction. Uh, he's not there all the way yet in terms of defensive schemes. Uh, the three-point shot is all over the place in terms of numbers and mechanics right now. Um, it looks like he kind of has to do like a little push on it when he's shooting the top threes. Uh, very weird. Yeah, but he's moving the right way and they don't need with Boucher being occasionally very good and Stanley Johnson being a capable rotation piece and having guys like uh, Utah and um, OG who can kind of play up a little bit and Nick Nurse talked uh, Sunday about how yeah maybe you're a little smaller at the five but maybe you can make some of that up by being bigger at the three and the four Uh, and you know there were Siakam spent depending on who you assign to which position when there are a bunch of like-sized guys out there, you know, Siakam's played some three this year, uh, at least defensively, where I think he's more of a a wing defensively and guys like Johnson and OG are are more interior defenders. Anyway, um, so they don't need Baines to be unbelievable. They don't need Phoenix Suns' Aaron Baines. They need just Boston Celtics' Aaron Baines, and I I think he's, he's ticked back toward that a little bit the last couple games. Uh, Where are you at on Baines, Eric? Uh, Just before I get to that, the Magic now have the worst defensive rating, or sorry, the worst net rating in the Eastern Conference. So, uh, yeah. And that's a low bar. Yeah, there is. So they're 27th, which which means there are three Western Conference teams below them. Uh, But before them, it goes Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Washington, Miami, and then Orlando. Yeah. that is the Eastern Conference, baby. Yeah. Um, and and th- while the Raptors are right in the mix there record-wise, the Raptors are 13th in the league in net rating because yeah. they are this bizarre example of a team that cannot win games but is also impossible to outscore. Uh, yeah. No, as I as I said yesterday before, sort of those last few minutes where it became like a 20, it went from a 20-point lead to a 13-point lead. This is going to allow them from their net rating perspective to lose six really close games and still be good. Uh, people were very happy with that tweet. So uh, well, <laughs> you're, congrats you're to you, Eric. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is what Baines needs to do. I mean, I think it goes, it will go a long way if he could just stabilize the shooting because I'm not crazy with him doing the 2014 handoffs at 18 feet as opposed to the three point (laughs) arc like that just it really does mess with your spacing and you could see and that's always what kills me with like like in the Milwaukee game it's like he's shot seven three pointers why does he keep shooting it's because if you don't do that it really messes up your offense. Do, and obviously, do you remember if, all the conversations we had about Mark Gasol the last couple of years? And yeah, and like Serge Ibaka went had like some three for 15, two for 17, like stinkers against Milwaukee. And we're going to get too far afield here. But you need your bigs to take those shots. And yeah. I understand that if he's missing them all, it becomes problematic. So this is why I say he needs to stabilize it at least a little bit. 
But I'm still okay with him against that team shooting seven three-pointers because the alternative is him giving handoffs at 16 feet. And unless you have like J.J. Redick, Doug McDermott, and Buddy Heald around you, him and your point guard, it's going to be very hard to create decent spacing in that lineup. Uh, um, Any whom, all of which is to say, when there's a guy like Vujovic and... This is what you need from Aaron Baines is somebody who keeps him from feasting inside, who can, you know, recover decently to him when he does have an open jumper and who can keep him off the glass. And that's what they did. I thought that was one of the Raptors better rebounding games of the year. And with Gordon and Vucevic, like Orlando can be and Ken Birch, um, beloved Canadian who's shooting three pointers now. Uh, I, I did not at least corner threes. Yeah. I, I he's never just, he's just threatening the ball that if it doesn't go in the hoop, he will <laughs> punch will. through it. Yeah. Um, like that's a team that can, you know, they can't do much else offensively, but they can beat you on the glass. And the Raptors were very solid uh, on that end. And as much as rebounding is a five man effort, it certainly starts with the guy who's hanging out under the net the most. And, and that's Baines. Yeah. Let's just say, too, I don't think it's a coincidence that as Baines has become more serviceable, uh, Siakam's had two of his best scoring games of the year. And I, I don't want to credit uh, I don't want to credit Baines for Siakam having uh, back to back 30 point games and two of only his three 30 plus games on the season these last two games. But, um, you know, Part of Siakam's issues earlier in the year has been operating within spacing when Baines or Len are on the floor and that dunker is occupied and it's really easy to help and send an extra defender to Siakam. I, I thought his last two games were very interesting just in general from an approach perspective. He only took three three-point attempts total. Over the last two games, um, much good, much stronger uh, nose for the front of the rim. Twenty free throw attempts over those two games, which is um, almost a, a season high over over any two game stretch. Uh, he did have twenty one over a stretch earlier in the year, but um, and, and then you know the assists are down. But we've always talked about and Nick Nurse talks about this too. Is like you know Siakam's looking to score first, and if those are opportunities aren't there, then you become a facilitator like the last meeting with the Kings when he had 12 assists. Yeah. Um, but if the scoring is there and you can shoot 11 of 19 inside the arc and get to the get to the free throw line 14 times, or you could shoot 12 of 21 inside the arc and get to the free throw line six times, uh, you should do that first. And that's, uh, you know, I, I think Siakam's been inconsistent enough this year where we've kind of psyched ourselves into, oh, he might be figuring it out uh, a couple times now. Like there was that stretch from uh, the Boston loss to the Portland loss yeah. where the Raptors only went one and four, but Siakam looked like he was, you know, really putting it together. And then he had uh, a stretch of, of iffier games after that. Uh, but I thought the, these last two short of maybe the Boston and Phoenix losses where, where he looked and even the Sacramento win after that, uh, where he had 12 dimes. I, I, I don't know. I think this is, it's he not the was, very best he's looked this year, but that that was an encouraging two games. Yeah, he was relentless in this, uh, in the Orlando game especially, but also the Sacramento loss. Like, he was just not stopping in terms of getting to the rim. And that's good to see. And he wasn't, and he wasn't forcing bad shots once he got there or got to close enough either. Uh, he missed at least two layups that, like, aren't, 
you know, one of my things about Nick Nurse this year is he always says we're missing like 10 layups at the rim. It's like, like technically, yes, you're missing 10 <laughs> shots at the rim, but you're missing them as like very difficult attempts at the rim. Yeah, they're not layup lines. Yeah, yeah, like it's like you're trying to go off the top of the backboard, uh, not, you know, like very high on the backboard to finish. Like those aren't simple shots and there are a reason you're going two for 10 on those looks. Um, but like he missed two gimmies, like that the types of layups that he started that in his third year, most improved season, like he was making repeatedly. Uh, so I just thought like the relentlessness uh, that he showed was really good. And for what it's worth, like after the game, uh, when TSN's Josh Lewenberg said he was, uh, you know, soft and settling for jump shots. <laughs> um, I'm partially joking there and mostly just making fun of former guest host Josh Lewenberg. Um, he said he's been dealing with injuries and he, part of his body, part of his, his focus over the last few weeks was to uh, get back healthy and get back feeling good. Now, we don't know exactly what that entails, Uh it's a lot of post facto, you know, potential explanation. But saying that, the these things are real, and and if that's something he was going through, then it could help explain a bit of what's going on. I think, as I've said a number of times, the sample size of him struggling, dating back to before the bubble last year, is too big just to say, well, it was all injuries or it was all mental. Like part of it has to be skill refinement and play refinement. Uh, but this, along with that stretch where, like, all things being equal, I like that version a bit better of, of this version that we saw of him. But as you said, you take what you can get, what you're given. And uh, he made a lot of good decisions. And he, most importantly, he was really assertive. Now, you do need the three-point shot to come around at times. And uh, it's not like I've seen him really turning many down he he's just certainly not attacking them like he did in the past he, he's just not you know settling isn't the right word but he's not he's not looking for them so uh, next off you got to get to a place that when they come to you you're taking them and then you start to look for them once everything else is going well so i think you know he's on the right track but like you i'm a bit wary of saying he's figured it out now yeah, um, let's just stay on, on the injury note. Um, Siakam did miss uh, a couple of games with knee swelling. He he had dealt with a, a sore oh, yeah. groin before that <laughs> as well. Um, so the Raptors, uh, they uh, the Raptors got Kyle Lowry back as well, who looked like at least until Sunday he was maybe playing on a, a sore toe still. Um, boy, was he something on Sunday though! Like f- fifteen dimes, and the Raptors were plus thirty in his minutes, and it was just like. It was such a great Lowry game of we're playing against a bad team and my shot's not there. So I'm just going to get uh, like his 15 assists. The average difficulty on the finishes of those shots was so low. Um, And then, you know, that coming off the Sacramento game, too, where I feel like there were two missed dunks and like 10 missed open threes off of Lowry passes. Um, That was uh, nice to see. Um, Lowry, I don't know. The The people get worried about every Lowry two-game dip, and I'm just yeah, beyond like that. But. Like, uh, in 2018, or the championship season, he 
Like what? He shot 34% from three or something like that? Like, I, I mean, yeah, at some point, age will hit. But he, start, he started the year as the best Raptor, so I'm not ready to say <laughs> that all of a sudden, uh, and by started the year, I mean into the beginning of the season, he was quite obviously the best player on the team. Yeah, over the and first dozen be- games or yeah, so. Yeah, and just because he struggled from, you know, shooting for a few games that obviously coincided with an injury, I'm not gonna say well that's age it's over <laughs> uh, like it's it's not like russell westbrook here uh who i'm not even con- convinced i should say that after last night either but uh uh they're anyway i am a field kyle lowry is good and i will hold that belief until i am convinced otherwise and i'm not there yet uh, um maybe aaron gordon is but i don't know <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, get that. It's, you know, the Royal Rumble is the night where you start the build to WrestleMania and (laughs) Lowry and Gordon are well on their way. Um, so in terms of injuries, uh, Siakam back, Lowry back, still out Patrick McCaw, who has at least progressed to, uh, participating in the non-contact portions of practice. I had a dream last night that I checked the NBA transaction wire and they had released Patrick McCaw. I woke up and that was not the case. Patrick McCaw is still on the team. The worst uh, dreams are sad, like pathetic work-related dreams. Yeah, like so unimportant, or not yeah. unimportant, but like, why is this on my mind? Like, why am I doing this uh, instead of flying? Like, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is bullshit. Uh, Jalen Harris has been assigned to Raptors 905 in the G League bubble. He's the only Raptor for right now uh, because they do have a a couple guys on the shelf and we've seen how quickly teams can get thinned out. Norman Powell has missed the last couple games. Um, What did Norm do again? Why am I drawing a blank on his? Knee bruise. Right. Thigh bruise. Quad contusion. Yeah. Quad contusion. Um, We got He's missed the last couple games. He is the definition of day-to-day where um, he wasn't ruled out until a little before each of the last two games. Nick Nurse expressed optimism on Sunday that they could have Powell back on Tuesday. Less optimism about OG Ananobi, who has missed the last couple games with a calf strain. Um, that Nick Nurse said Sunday after after o- Ananobi had been kind of unofficially classified as day-to-day for a while, uh, Nick Nurse said Sunday that Ananobi is probably at least a week away still uh, the Raptors have, um, he's already missed three games and the Raptors have uh, a three game week ahead and then uh, including a, a six game uh, road trip. So begins. listen, let me, let me cut a promo. Yeah. Every fantasy basketball player so, so before every game saying, what's this guy's status? What's this guy's status? You don't care. You don't know anything. Do you know who asked Nick Nurse about OG Ananobi's prognosis last night and got that answer? It was me. So now you can set your lineups and know that Ananobi's probably not going to play in at least the next two games. And you can all send a personalized thank you to me, you ingrateful jerks all right man i mean uh, i'm just so like thank you for following uh and i only half believe that obviously i did say i was cutting a promo um but like the the best heels are the ones who feel justified yeah and i kind of do like uh you know the person last week who i'm i shouldn't be complaining about individual twitter users who complain who asked me if i knew whether OG was playing after I said, I think I said Siakam is out and OG was still in doubt. It was something like that. 
And he said, well, what about OG? And I said, he's in doubt. Like, why are you responding to that tweet? Like, what's happening here? Do words not have meaning anymore? Is the world going crazy, Blake? Uh, look, I, I understand people got to lock in their DFS lineups. Um, Stop pay, playing the face. This is bullshit. I, I understand. Look, I, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm trying to tone down your rhetoric here. I understand that there is oftentimes a lot of money and or bragging rights on the line with these kind of decisions that people have to make within the hour or two before the game. But there is no instance in which any of us get the injury <laughs> information and don't tweet it out. So that's... Like it, it will be the first thing I, I spend the two hours before the game just sitting on my computer waiting for the updates, too. And I promise I tweet them as soon as we get them. Uh, same with starting lineups and inactives and stuff like that. Uh, the one thing I will say is um, the your trade machine ideas. Let's wait for a little closer to the trade deadline. Um, there is yeah, we can it's not even until Tuesday and then Saturday that like the we pass the hurdles where most of the league even can be traded. Uh, so, yeah, I think until a... further notice, we can uh, we'll probably get there right around the end of the first the first uh, half of the season. Yeah, the, de- the deadline's on until March 25th this year. So we've got lots of time. Normally, like I kind of have in my head like, uh, oh, sweet. Diana Taurasi signing a multi-year deal to return to the Phoenix Mercury per Shams Trania. Uh, WNBA heating up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Our, our New York Liberty have uh, the number one pick to add someone. Uh, to our New Kia. York Liberty. <laughs> Look, they have Kia and Sabrina. Come on. It's, yeah. uh, until Toronto gets a team. That's, yeah. they're, they're our New York Liberty. Um, no, no offense to uh, Minnesota and Indiana, who also have uh, Canadians on their team. Anyway. What was I talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. Trade machine stuff. Uh, yeah. The deadline's not until March 25th. We, we've got that dead spot in the schedule, March 5th to 10th. That's kind of like unofficially in my head where we'll really ratchet up the trade content. Uh, and there will be lots because the Raptors, especially if they stick around 500, there are some real computer retreat questions, uh, which is a phrase that I don't know had been used before. And I used it not that long ago. And I think I I think it's a good it's a good term. For a team in yeah. the Raptors position that could buy or sell. Computer yeah. retreat. Well, congratulations. Hopefully it catches on uh, with hot take, which I coined. Uh, yep. You have a long way to go. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Because the Gasol is doing so well and, and taking the league by storm. Look, uh, you got to you gotta shoot to miss. Um, I, I'm not... I, is I that tried. your... Is that your anti OG Ananobi quote? What's going on? <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, like, if, if you, you know, you could do the if you do not play, you cannot lose yeah. bit with uh, what was her name? Marla Daniels. Was that Daniels' wife's name in the wire? Yeah, I can't um, remember. But Sorry. I try, I try to get some W's uh, yeah. along the way, and you're gonna. You're not going to be perfect. I yeah. and so, so OG was, OG anyway. doesn't shoot trying to miss, and you just shoot indiscriminately. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jalen Rose. I'm a I'm a scorer. I'm not a shooter. Uh, all right, let's zoom out a little bit. So that was the week that was, and what's going on with the injury updates and stuff. Uh, if you press, if you you kind of zoom out, the Raptors are eight and twelve, which is not very good. Uh, the back everything in the East outside of the top five or six teams is a 
a mess. Everyone's condensed. The good and bad teams haven't really shaken out yet. Um, you know, I do think that the Cavs and Knicks are legitimately uh, kind of fun. I think the Knicks will fade, but I think the Cavs, if they can actually, if they've actually figured out how to defend with a team full of not great defenders, then they might yeah. be, they could find their way to the playing game. It's probably Cavs, better for them long-term not to. The but, Cavs have a net rating right now of minus 4.3, but if I'm not mistaken, it's against a really difficult schedule uh so and that defense is better than the raptors right now so uh uh, that's not nothing their offense is pretty terrible but uh what you gonna know uh, they have a lot of young guards. You're going to be inefficient sometimes. Uh, so the Raptors are 8-12, and 12, which is not great. They do have a positive point differential. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they're 13th in net rating. Uh, they have a, you know, Pythag expected win-loss or, or the true talent of a 10-10 and 10 team and really like a 10.2 and 9.8 team. Uh, it's pretty rare for a team to have a positive point differential and finish below 500 over the long run, uh, there have only that's only happened 39 times in NBA history. So, um, you know, a little less than once a season. So it wouldn't be out of out of the realm of possibility for the Raptors to be the new Charlotte Hornets and, and finish 10 games below 500 despite outscoring your opponents because you lose every close game. Um, but there is that that is still I wouldn't say room for optimism, but it's relevant context. Uh, the Raptors are basically painfully average they're 8 and 12 with a true talent of around 10 10 and 10 they're 14th in offense and 16th in defense and 13th in net rating eric is this team just really average and the reason they're a couple games below 500 is because sometimes when you're an average team the breaks are going to swing your record two or three games at a time uh that's the way it's looking um But I would say there's room for them to be more than that. Uh, I think there certainly is on the defensive end. This team is, uh, or this core group of players has shown in the past, it can be closer to elite. uh, And even without a, you know, reliable starting center, like I think, uh, or or somebody who's done that with the starting group uh, as the fifth guy, I think that can be done. Uh, I fantasy booked Utah into the starting lineup uh, <laughs> on Twitter the other day, and I didn't hate it. Uh, like, it's, it's certainly against specific opponents. Uh, I'll be I'll be honest. I uh, I actually, and I wrote about this before the season when talking about uh, closing lineups. I kind of like Bembry in that spot that Terrence Davis and Norman Powell have started in. And I know that there are some spacing issues when you have Baines and then Bembry and Siakam's trying to operate within that. But you could put the ball in his hands a little bit. Yeah, um, and given that Kyle and Fred are, you know, likely your two best shooters, that there is there is value in that. But I, I do and worry. And can I, really defend. Yeah, I do worry about the shooting. Um, yeah. And that's sort of the only reason that I, I would say that. But yeah, Bembry's been fun. Uh, and we don't need to... But but those aren't the reasons for uh, thinking this team is better than average. Because I, I think if one of those guys is in your closing five, they're more than likely pretty average. I, I think, you know, you hope that Pascal can find a bit more of what he's found lately compared to what he looked like for most of the first quarter of the season. Uh, you hope that uh, OG gets back and continues to do what he was doing just before that. And uh, yeah, like that's basically 
what you're looking for, and then you're looking for guys to get used to the defense. And I think if you ask Nick Nurse, he would say that uh, some of the newer players, but I would I would even say we've seen flaws from, and mistakes from even guys like Lowry and Van Vliet and, and certainly Siakam defensively. Um, you would hope that as the season goes on and as they have all these uncharacteristic practices that they can get a bit more dialed in. And then instead of being, uh, sorry, I I was going back in, in time to look at what the last team to finish with a net negative net rating that finished over 500 was, uh, it was the 2018, 19 Brooklyn nets who were 42 and 40, but went had a negative 0.1 rating. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what I was looking for, was the Raptors' defensive rating, and they rank 16th. And I think they would tell you that they certainly think they can play top 10 defense, and I tend to agree with them. Uh, All notes about three-point variance aside, and if I'm not correct, uh, or if I'm not correct, if I'm not correct, that is usually what happens. Uh, (laughs) If if I'm correct, I don't think like their opposing three-point percentage is like super high right now. So I think they've got a, I mean, it's like we were talking at the fr- the top of the show. Like there's some stupid, as Fred Van Vliet said, we play good basketball and then we start doing stupid stuff or dumb stuff or whatever he said. And there's a lot of that to cut out. And I'm, I wouldn't say optimistic, but I think it's realistic to think they can and they can stay an average offensive team and a top third defensive team and get to a place where they're like a legitimate fifth or sixth seed. Do I think that's going to happen? Eh, the East is pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess the, the concern with the offense staying around average would be that you do have a couple of guys um, who are shooting a little above their head from three point range. Um, you know, we've seen Chris Boucher start to regress. I don't think he's a 43% three-point shooter. Uh, You know, Stanley and Utah and Bembry have all knocked down their opportunities. Um, You know, but I think that's not a huge deal because those are small volume guys and they're going to be also like you they're going to be left wide open. And if you think Siakam is gonna like part of the idea is that Siakam starts like being more efficient. Yeah, which and even Van Vliet is down yeah. at thirty five percent, and he's he's a true talent, thirty nine, forty percent three point shooter. So yeah, um, yeah, you'll see. And, and Baines might not shoot twenty three percent. He he might, but he, <laughs> he, he might not. Um, let's talk quickly about something. So so if the Raptors are average, say say that by by the time. By the way, All Star voting is is now open. You can head to NBA.com for all the details on how to do that. Uh, we are not doing the hashtag NBA All Star NBA vote thing yeah. this year on Twitter. So um, please cut that out. Uh, just um, just leave me out of it entirely. I don't yeah. Uh, so you, you can go vote now. Um, Nick Nurse was asked about Fred Van Vliet's all-star candidacy. Uh, last year, Louis Zatzman, uh, our guy from Raptors Republic, asked, asked Nurse about Fred Van Vliet being a potential all-star and got a very funny, sure, answer. <laughs> uh, he asked that question again the other day, and Nick conceded that you know, maybe this team being under 500 or, or a couple games under 500 could hurt that because usually if you're a coach doing the voting, uh, you know, the as a refresher, the the starters are determined partially by uh, media vote, partially by fan vote, partially by player vote. Um, and then the reserves are chosen by uh, the that conference's coaches 
voting. So the Raptors are going to run into a couple things. Uh, They've benefited in the past from being a good team, and coaches tend to look at the teams that are winning and who's driving that winning. Uh, If the Raptors are not winning, that maybe hurts their chances. Uh, The second thing would be the Raptors might run into some vote splitting or cannibalizing each other where Lowry, Van Vliet, and Siakam all probably have a moderate case um, to be an all-star. Now, I know people are unhappy with Siakam's uh, play so far this year, and and he doesn't have uh, the numbers that he had last year when he was an all-star starter. Uh, I would just point out that he has a higher usage rate and true shooting percentage than Van Vliet. So if you're talking about who um, is carrying the the most offensive load, uh, Siakam is leading the team in scoring, and and he's by, you know, 0.8 points ahead of Van Vliet, but he's doing that more efficiently uh, as well. Now, Van Vliet has also improved a lot as a pick and roll passer Uh, he's up to six and a half assists per game which is just a hair shy of Lowry for the team lead uh and Van Vliet also has uh the highest net rating uh, of any of the regular and he's allowed to take mid-range shots now so he's a superstar yes um and and honestly if Van Vliet didn't take so many pull-up threes which he he kind of has to take for the offensive function and spread teams out uh vertically like that you know he'd probably be a little more efficient um So, yeah, there's a case for, I mean, Siakam's case is is volume-based and kind of baseball card stat line uh, based. He's averaging uh, 20 points and eight rebounds and four and a half assists, and he's not been efficient, but he's been a little more efficient than Van Vliet. Van Vliet has more of a, you know, if you dive into some of the on-off stuff, if you dive into some of the advanced metrics, uh, if you put a premium on on point guard play, uh, Van Vliet has a case there. And then Lowry has been more efficient than either of them. Uh, A little lower usage, a pretty strong on-off impact. And he's only two points behind Siakam in terms of the team scoring lead. And he leads the team in assists. And he's, uh, you know, second on the team in rebounding. Uh, You could make a pretty good case for Lowry too. So I think what they might run into there is uh, some vote splitting where, you know, some coaches might, value you know Lowry could get the legacy vote and join Joe Johnson as a seven-time all-star uh Siakam might have the inertia of having been a starter Van Vliet might have a a little narrative as a breakout guy I don't know it's a little early uh you still got a couple weeks to vote and decide on your own you could of course put all three in your in your starting lineup um look if I'm being if I'm being honest and I haven't done this exercise yet uh, of like trying to put together my all-star team based on merit. I don't think any of them should be there right now. Uh, and that's mostly because like none of them are, have been good enough to where, like in terms of driving winning, because they're not winning, that I can overlook that. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think if the Raptors get into a place where they're more likely to get an all-star, my bet is going to be, is that it's probably going to be Lowry who gets the honor. But, uh, I mean, I'm not a, I can't tell the future. So obviously, if you listen to the last segment of this show every week, you know, I can't (laughs) tell the future. So um, we have to see. But I I, like right now, I don't think that, you know, they're just not playing well enough for any of those guys to say, like, I should be an all star over like any, you know, people who are going to be who are who are rightfully ahead of them in the pecking order. But a lot of basketball to play. All right. So. 
let's uh hopefully not an all-star game by the way but uh yeah there know. should not be an actual all-star game there should yeah. be you should name the players because guys have contract incentives and it affects hall of fame stuff yeah. and it's it's nice to do um all right when is the voting cut up all right so the the starters will be announced on february 18th and then the reserves will be announced on february 23rd so that would mean to me that uh, players basically have until February 18th to make their case because that's when uh, the starters will be locked in and that's when the coaches will likely have to submit their votes in the days following that. So the Raptors until February 18th have how many games are we looking at here? One, two, three, probably four, like nine, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Eric, nine games, uh, six of those on a West Coast trip. Or not a West Coast trip. Sorry, uh, they begin a six game road trip Tuesday. They return quote-unquote, home for one game, and then hit the road again for two in Milwaukee. Uh, so not the easiest stretch for uh, any Toronto Raptors to make their last all-star push here over these nine games. Uh, the Raptors are about to play. Uh, let's set up the week ahead. They're about to play, uh, and all of these, again, are road games. Orlando, Brooklyn, Atlanta on the second night of a back-to-back, Memphis, uh, and that's kind of where we'll talk to you next. And then they'll continue that road trip at Washington, at Boston on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, and then they go Minnesota, and then they go two games at Milwaukee, uh, and then Minnesota again on the second night of a back-to-back, also on the road. So uh, nine of the next ten on the road. I would say four of those at least are against very good teams in the two against Milwaukee and then and then Boston and Brooklyn. Uh, Atlanta and Memphis are both pretty plucky. And then you better win the Orlando, Washington, and two Minnesota games because uh, the other ones might be kind of coin flips. But Eric, this will is there, your domain. Will there be a weirder finish this season than what happened last night between Brooklyn and Washington? Uh, yeah. I mean, there will probably be a weirder one. Like, that That was borderline Mo Pete Michael Ruffin. That was uh, awesome. But, uh, yeah. I mean, Nick Nurse needs to put a little more energy into his end-of-game calls, I think. But Yeah. Uh, I guess he was probably just aware that it was being recorded. Yeah. Uh, he did not ham it up, no. No. Um, okay, so, Eric, this is your domain. Between now and when we next talk to the people... The Raptors will play Orlando, Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Memphis. Uh, what do you got for us? You, the Raptors, by the way, as a refresher, are 8-12 and 12 on the year, and Eric is 0-20 picking these <laughs> games. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go win, loss, loss, win. Lose both nights of that back-to-back, eh? Uh, I, I Un- mean, unkind weekend. I, You know, if I'm a Raptors fan, I prefer it was in the opposite order, especially from a yeah. travel perspective, but... Uh, you know, whatever, make them fly up to New York and then back down south. Sure. It's a very stupid stretch of schedule. But I I mean, I have empathy for the schedule maker this year, uh, as I do every year. But like, uh, I don't think that was a great job this year that that person or those people had. Yeah. Nine out of 10 on the road is really tough no matter what. And then uh, it is. But at least you don't have a home to compare it to. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> Tampa's just a road game anyway. Uh, all right, so the Raptors are going to go 2-2, two and two, and when we talk to you next, they'll be 10-14, and 14, and uh, we'll have all the same conversations again probably yeah. because the Raptors but, will still be kicking in at average. Yeah, but they'll have won the uh, both games of the back-to-back and lost the other two, as judging by my success this year. 
They sure will, Eric. Uh, all right, we will talk to you guys uh, then. So I'd imagine that's next Tuesday after that four-game set. Uh, stay safe out there. Enjoy the games. Um, please leave Eric alone and direct your pregame is he playing tweets to me so that Eric doesn't have to uh, cut WWE-style promos. Uh, Eric, thanks so much, man. Thank you. See ya.